Hi, Book Club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is episode number 68 of the Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. Our book this weekend is Volpone Glory, a Blue Bloods novel by Nick Kime. It tells an interesting story about a somewhat infamous regiment within the Sabbat World's Crusade. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning. If you haven't yet read the book, go check out the book and our questions and then come back to this episode as we're going to be discussing this book from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. Did you enjoy the book? I loved it. I really liked this book. Really did. Um, let me ask you this. Did you read the intro? I did. I, I'm usually kind of a 50-50 on intros. Sometimes I read them. Sometimes I don't. I don't know why, but for some reason I really felt the need to read this one. I loved it from the intro. As soon as I read the intro, I was like, oh, this going to be good. <laughs> Well, I had no frame of reference, really, with the intro. I was just kind of like, mm -hmm. okay. I think I went into this book nervous because in in the Gaunt's Ghost book, the Vulpone Bluebloods are basically presented as the villains from a coming-of-age movie. It, they were a legion of Steph McKees who were not very loyal, and they were just dicks. So... I was kind of thinking that this book was going to be like, okay, that was just those guys. They're really good people. And it kind of was. Kind of? Like, they're, they're loyalists. But they're not necessarily, like, really great people. Um, I like that Nick Kime didn't shy away from keeping them very arrogant pricks. Mm. But loyal arrogant pricks. Yep. Which in the 400k universe is kind of important. What part stood out to you? Well, the first thing that stood out to me, because I burst out laughing and I had to read it out loud to my husband, was the very beginning um, banter between Hennessy and Aramis. When Hennessy's like, permission to speak freely, sir? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just that whole banter. Uh it i it's like Gr grussman is a bootlicking malicious cur noted that though might be one of my favorite descriptions though you forgot shit eating indeed i did captain a shit eating bootlicking malicious cur and misogynist i really am failing in my duties captain loved it i liked it because it established two things it established the easy banter that these two people have that like Yes, there is a commanding officer adjutant relationship between them, but they're also friends. And it established that while Aramis is very much a professional officer, even she, he's the forest for the trees. Right. There were a few scenes like that where people were speaking freely and she was like, watch it. But then also kind of like, but you're not wrong. <laughs> right. Especially with Colsus. Right. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it's not that way in the military now. Like, you know, like Sean will say that people will come into his office who are um, subordinate officers and they will just start bitching at him about people above. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you're out of line. Like, when we're not in this office and we're at a bar and we're making jokes, that's one thing. But you cannot come in here and start, you know, getting on me about superior officers like that's not how this works right and it, it was a really nice character beat for both characters i thought i along some i think it's like a few pages within that or from that my favorite scene in this book is actually a line it's not even a scene it's just a line so i kept wondering how do you have an entire regiment filled with blue bloods right like how do you have a regiment full of it they're basically the opposite of the fortunate son right where these are the senators sons and daughters going off to war and you know their arrogance and all of this stuff and in one line he explains it perfectly where he says that fighting for the emperor is a noble cause 
fit for noble blood. So I really liked that worldview where they were like, no, 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 this is noble. So the nobility goes. And I liked that they were like, the first son goes, the first daughter, or the daughters typically stay at home and run the whole planet. Mm-hmm. Which sounded a lot like Orlay. A bit. I mean, I could, I could, man, now that you say that, even their politics were kind of like that as well. Like, I actually found their politics, it's really weird. I found their politics delightful. And I think it's because it's really, I think it's because it's slightly more forward than Orlay. Orlay mm. is all about, it's the stupid game that Orlay has mm-hmm. with what you say and how you present it. Whereas, right. Volpone is pretty much in your face like my name is Indigo Montoya you killed my father prepare to die type thing I mean just right there right there into well, it I loved when the Cossack the um the woman and uh Rinsaint the commissar I love how they keep saying they're like yours is a violent culture and they're just like no it isn't and then finally at the end they're like Maybe a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> we do. We duel. Like we duel at the drop of a hat. And we kill one another because, but I guess you're right that it is a little bit more like in your face, right? Where they're just like, well, I guess we're going to have to duel to the death. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to. <laughs> that was a little, I wasn't prepared for that, I guess, as I'll say. Whereas Orlay, you'd be dancing around it. And the next thing you know, an assassin comes in your sleep. Right. Which... Given this book, okay, um, the only assassins coming in the sleep were the Cossacks, who instead well, of and the the Scion. Okay, well, but that's the Inquisition BS. Kind of. I mean, that was. We'll get there. Anyways, um, I think if I had to go for my favorite scene in this book, it's actually one of the most awful scenes. It's when God's word gets shot at um, Aramis and Hauptmann. That description of the aftermath mm-hmm. is horrific. Right. And poor Hauptmann in general. Right. Um, pour one out for Hauptmann for a second. Man, I nearly cried when Lennox was shot. There were a lot of characters who died in this book. And I was like, why? Like, small, small characters. Like, Hennessy, for example, right? Where, like, little small side characters that were... They had a speaking role. They were somewhat... They were established as being important people. And then they got killed. That's war for you. It... I... I mean, even Grussman said it's just war. Yeah. When they're all upset, like they're just like, dude, people are dead. Eh, I don't war. Um, I do like the guard books because it is that reminder. Again, I know I said this was Steel Tread, but because we read so many Space Marine books, I like the reminder that this world is dark and terrible and you don't want to live in it. Because all your friends are dead. Or you're a bloodthirsty cultist. I mean, take your pick. There is that, too. So, what did you think of the Volpone overall? Did you like them as a regiment? I did. I thought I found it very interesting, um, you know, with with the, the nobility. And I also kind of found their arrogance a little funny mm-hmm. at times. Like, oh, oh, my God. Talk about this scene early on. Holy crap. When uh, Darian is coming into that first tent and Schiller is like, you know, give me something to drink and he hands him water and he spits it out. And he's like, I said, you know, I want spiced wine. Uh, first thing I thought of was triple sack and a margarita. What is this, Auschwitz? <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. I had the same thought of that, too. It's like you're in the middle of a war zone. <laughs> I don't want water. I want spiced wine. And oh my god like that and you know the treatment of the mill serves you know of course mm-hmm. i knew there was going to be someone who's like no we shouldn't treat them like that which of course was R- right regara and he's probably my favorite character through the whole thing like i had a mad crush on this guy uh, just with everything he was doing 
just like in his demeanor uh, with with everything and how he was really trying to like clean up the guard and be like we don't need to treat people like this right even though it's hard for most of them to be like that because even you know Colchis had issues he like right you know that he was trying not to but he did at the same time like how he got in the middle of that fight over the ingot you know uh, he just immediately stopped the agrarian thinking it was his fault without right. thinking possibly it could be charges in yeah. doesn't even like and I do like that Nick Kime very he sets the scene very well right Colchis, Colchis runs in he's like what's going on here he gets all angry and that's when he notices the ingot and he's like oh oh whoops over a over a friggin' ingot. But I did like the scene because it, you know, he just charges in and you're absolutely right. There is a little bit of that Vilpone arrogance, right? Like, well, we, would, we wouldn't contest over something as meaningless. Unless we did. And then even he's kind of like, oh, damn it. Right. The... I actually really liked the interaction and the banter between all of the regiments in this one, especially the Agrians. They were very, especially once, um, oh my God, I can't think of her name right now. I was like, Malkavi. Yeah. Malkavi. When she, um, I really liked her. Like when Kulsus is like, you need to stop this. And she's like, I'm not going to listen to me. Like, we're not like that. We're not you people. Right. And I loved when she's just calling them out. She's like, this isn't how we talk. This isn't how we think. Like, and I loved how foreign that was to him and to all of them, really. Yeah. But at the same time, I got kind of frustrated with her in that because she's like, oh, I know you didn't kill him. Do you mind telling them that? Ah, they don't care. That matters. I'm sorry that that matters. So that kind of made me very mad at her. Like, like you could try to stop it. You could at least try to talk to them and be like, look, why don't we try to find who the real killer is? Which, of course, the real killer was obvious to the reader very early on. And, of course, it gets confirmed at the end. But still, it's like, you guys are just going to kill an innocent man because one of your innocent men was, was killed. That's not right either. At least no. the at least the Volpone. Because even when she's, he's like, you're savage. She's like... Huh, that's funny. So are you. Like, it's sorry that you don't see it in you. It's like, again, they go up to each other and declare it to their faces versus right. what the Cossacks were doing. Right. The Cossacks were more of the, nah, we'll find you when you're vulnerable. But on the other hand, it was very much eye for an eye, right? Like, you killed our dude. Vulnerable. So we're going to do the same to you. There was also a level of, we just don't care. Like, kind of, and I actually found it fascinating when he's like, please call them off. And she's like, not going to listen to me. Like, very much did not care. And um, I always find it very interesting when reader, when authors present female characters who have that callous edge to them. Because typically, you know, whenever... <laughs> I feel like in the hands of a lesser author, she would have been the gentle earth mother. Like, let's bring everyone together and inspire. And, oh, you poor thing. I'm going to solve this problem for you. And no, because that's not who their people are. She's mm -hmm. just like, yeah, it's very Russian. I mean, I just didn't care for it. It's just like, as in, Fair. I'm not saying that it was a bad writing. I think it would have been worse writing if she was the, you know, the, the caring mother and all like, oh, I'll just make this all go away for you. It just made me dislike the people. That's fair. I am not sure if you were supposed to like them or not. I actually feel that way about a lot of the characters in this book. Well, I mean, it's I pretty obvious you're not supposed to like Schiller. Correct. Um, interestingly enough, though, I liked that Schiller was like, he was the bad guy, but he wasn't a bad guy. Yes. Like, as soon as, like, he hated Darien. He was right? a bad man. He was a bad person, he a but he wasn't person. A, but he wasn't the villain. Right. And I loved the idea that even though he tormented this poor man, 
like was awful to him and terrible. As soon as they he they find evidence of conspiracy, he's like, "Whoa, now that's a step too far, and that's not okay." Like even he had a conscience, which mm-hmm. is, I, not gonna lie, was a little bummed when he got killed. Yeah, I kind of was a little bit too. I was like, "Ah, dude, you just showed us that you're not all bad." You're not that evil. <laughs> Turns out you're just a dick, but not evil. Right. Which there is a big difference. <clears throat> there is a really um, big difference. You know, and of course, we're not supposed to like Grussman either, right? Because right he's su- such an, an ass. Just a, and he, especially with how he treated, treated Regara, not only does he, you know, it's like he, he demotes him in a way of pretending to care about him and that immediately puts him in situations where he's pretty sure he's going to get killed. Right. And it's like, oh, you lived. Damn. Okay, let's well, try harder. Yeah. More to Grassman in a second. Who is your favorite vocal character? Oh, Regara. Really? With Armand Colchis. Very close second. I... You know, I really liked Kulkus, even though he's kind of a dick, too. Regara was probably the least dickish of them all. He, um, I got the impression there was real humanity there. Like, definitely decorum and all of that and blah, 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 blah. Um, But I got the impression that he was maybe a little less... A less aloof than the rest of them, right? Um, I really liked Kelsus, but he definitely had that arrogant streak to him, right? Yeah, he had his moments. And, um, his and Aramis's romance. All right. Well, I mean, that was pretty funny when he's like totally hitting on her at first because he thinks she's a lesser officer, and then she pulls out her jacket, and he's like, "Ah, oh, shit!" <laughs> I love how quickly it spreads through camp too, and he's just like, "Damn it." But let's be clear, it was pretty much clear from that moment that those two were going to hook up. Eventually, or at least just at the very least, flirt a whole lot. When they had their hookup moment, I was like, Eee-. Oh, that was, that was so me- sweet when she like left him and she's like, he, she, she didn't want to wake him because she thought he could use some sleep. When I had just been talking about how he'd had all this trouble sleeping. Right. So I kind of liked that. I thought that was great. And it just... Nick Kaim, um slowly, low-key, the most romantic of the Black Library authors? What about Rachel Harrison? Remember, because he also had that really nice romance that was very subtle, similarly subtle. Oh, yeah, and Knights of um, McCrag. Knights of McCrag. We've only yeah. seen that one from... Well, I wasn't emotionally invested in the romance in Mark of Faith. I wasn't even thinking but, about that one. I was thinking about Severina Rain. Oh, no, no, I know. I know. Okay. And that one, that one's just a straight up romance novel, which I love. Like, Mark, but, of, Mark of Faith, I actually often forget. And I'm not sure if that's on purpose or not. Because I really did not like that book. I didn't either. Um, that end scene, though, with the Thousand Sun, when he's like, I just wanted to hear his voice again. That is kind of lodged in my brain, that one scene. Well, I mean... Okay, so there's like one redeeming thing. There was Argument there who was laughing. He's like, <laughs> oh, you dumb bastards. <laughs> you dumb fool. I already tried that. Um, yes. But I, that's like really the only scene in that book that, like that scene and every now and then I kind of forget what book that's from. It's kind of like that Imperial Fist book we read about the Psyker Imperial Fist. Um, there's so little I remember out of that book. The only scene I really remember, and it was a brilliant scene, is when he's talking with the planetary leadership and they're like, thank God you're here to rescue us. And he's like, that's not what happens when the space marines show up. We are we are the cutting out the cancer. We are not here to save lives or rescue people. See, that, that, didn't that, really, that didn't leave a mark on me at all. And probably because I've read other books where it's the same thing. I've read other books as well, but that one just... I don't know why. Just for whatever reason, reason, the way just he worded in. it. Mm. Yeah, I think it was the way that he worded it and the way that they're all like, 
oh no. (laughs) Their reactions and also just... But then I forgot like the rest of the book because Jean's dealer. Right. For me, the one that was... The one that stands out with that kind of uh, rhetoric is... uh, it's David Geimer's short story about the Iron Fists. Mm. And uh, this planet is like under siege, I think by orcs. You know what? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And an Iron Fist comes down and he's like, okay, I'm here. And they're like, oh, yay. Where's more of you? He's like, I'm all that you need. And he's just there trying to find this one signal. Yep. And it's like some Magos. And she's just, and she's like, oh, but you had to take me with you because I stored it in me. He's like, oh fine and then he leaves and everyone's like what's gonna happen with us he's like sorry <laughs> not my I'm circus here not the, my monkeys i'm here for the data and that's it <laughs> yep that happens a lot right um but anyways i love that nick Kime like inserts these nice little romantics it's not like it's not the whole plot of the book. It doesn't detract mm-hmm. from it. Technically, very technically, you could remove it and it wouldn't change anything, really. Mm-hmm. It just adds these nice human moments, especially in guard books. I feel like it gets overlooked a lot with the guard because life in the guard is short and terrifying. So these nice little moments of peace and calm and human connection just they make me smile and they make me very yeah. happy i really also liked hoptman i thought he was an interesting character too. a very nice contrast to the volpone yeah he deserved better that kind did him dirty well i mean if he uh showed just really like how awful the cultists are and what it's I don't know because as soon as they get to priding the eyes open I'm like I am done I am I am out oh man like there's this Mass Effect 2 DLC um the Overlord which is one of the worst DLCs only because the gameplay is so terrible because of that stupid hammerhead flying thing you have to go over the lava and shit anyway but when you save the overlord and you see how his eyes are pried open with like needles, I was like, oh, no, no, no. So I have a thing with eyes. So I can't handle any of that. I do too. But the video game that I go to is always Dead Space 2 when you have to put that needle in your eye. Um, it's a horrible scene because it's a quick time event. Oh, and, uh, God, you, you missed... can't look away. <laughs> exactly. And it's you, and, like, you're trying to keep your eyes open and bring this needle into your eye, but, of course, like, you're... Yeah, it's a quick time event, and if you botch it, game over and you have to do it again. Um, But whenever they talk about eyes being pried open, and especially with the cultists, I'm always like... (sighs) Dead space! That, That scene was very difficult for me. When you're blind in one eye, you're very sensitive to eyeball things i don't even have that excuse i just like i'll never be able to wear contacts because i can't touch my eyes no way yeah it's and the idea there's just nothing and this is so stupid but this is kind of what a bougie first world twat that i am is that whenever they were describing that i'm like that's not sanitary (laughs) the whole time i'm like you don't know who else used that well, I mean, I don't think the cultists care about that. Pink eye is a thing, okay, guys? Very, very much. I mean, and the Volpone, just like a few pages earlier, were complaining that their boots were dirty. I mean, so <laughs> it's like really sharp contrasts here. They wouldn't have dealt done well with that. Oh, and by the way, can we mention that I was also very sad that they killed Puck? Yeah. The Tuttle Rat! I loved him! I thought he was so much fun! And... Oh, as and- soon as he came back into the cell with Hopman and he was shaking and crying, I was like, oh. Oh, and who was that other guy that um, shared like a foreign smoke with Regara? Yes. And then he was killed. So I was like, oh, God. When they pulled him off the, um, it was the Cultus. When they pulled him off the battlefield, I was like, yeah. Kid, you can't. Um, again, it's 
Although in this book, I feel like Nick Kime killed better side characters than some book series have main characters. Yeah. <sighs> that was so sad. Do... Let me ask you this. Hmm? The character we haven't talked about yet for the Volpone. Fink. He was very... He was such an interesting character. Wasn't he, though? I mean, because, uh, like, it's set up that you wanted to hate him, right? Right. Especially when you figured out rather quickly he's the one who killed the headman. Um, I mean, they kind of spelled that out and then, you know, that he, he killed the other general or colonel. The officer uh, who was cowardly. Who was always checking his pocket watch. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so you wanted to hate him for that. But then he was like, he's like, oh, we're going to overthrow Grossman. Ah, oh, it's about time. All right, let me help. It's like, okay. <laughs> he's, he's got like this literal the- demon on him, in him, whatever. But at the same time, like, he's super loyal. <laughs> okay, so what's your take on the Grey Host? Do you think it's a legit demon? Or do you think this is how he's compartmentalizing his... Uh, that's obviously, it's how he's car- compartmentalizing his... <laughs> Real killer tendencies. His murderous urges. But like, oh man, and this is this is going to be hard because the Hetman aside, again, he's like Dexter in 40k because he's a bad guy. But like he killed cowardly officer, right? Mm-hmm. Who was not there to help because he was busy. Right? They flat out called him out on his cowardice. This is a person that the commissariat, like, the commissars were going to have to deal with this guy eventually. Mm-hmm. Fink just got there first. Right? And it's hard because, on one hand, it's like, dude, the guy was just clearly going through some, like, trauma or something. And is, but by 40K standards, he's a heretic. Right. Because he's a coward. Um, and then he kills Vincent Saint at the end. Make sure that it gets done, I should say, because right. Rincent was not long for the world. But he just, you know, make sure there's no no Hail Marys. Oh. Um, he's such an interesting character. Again, de- almost, almost reminded me a little of that same emotion you get within Boardwalk Empire with Richard Harrow. This man's yeah. a murderer. He's a straight-up killer, and yeah, uh, you like except him. Except that Harrow, I think, has a little more redeeming qualities. He's much more human than... Oh, much more human. ...than Fank. Fank's also kind of a liability, right? Because, um... Who, who are you going to kill next, Pumpkin? I mean, I don't know why he killed the head man. I guess just because of the fight over the ingot. I don't know if it was because no, no, I that it, was so petty. Uh, no, like, was it because... Well, because the Hetman wasn't part of that. It was because the Hetman, like, staged the walkout when Regara said, this is what we're going to do. And the Hetman stood up at the agreements and was like, <laughs> no, we're not yeah. doing this. And I think that's why Fink did it. Could be. But it... Which is also this weird form of loyalty. Yeah, the... And the, of course, the funny thing is, he was like, you know, even early on, he was like, I'm going to get Grussman eventually, you know, and he wanted to get Schiller eventually. And it's like, yes, these are these are bad people. It's almost kind of like, you know, those anti-heroes. You know, those, it, he was towing that line like the Punisher, you know? Yeah. What you're doing is, well, not even more more like Henry from Henry Portrait of Serial Killer like more along those lines like you're straight up killing people mm-hmm. but they're also kind of bad people so like you're not a good person there's nothing oh. really redeeming um, um, Ronan the persona that Hawkeye took on oh, uh, yeah 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 an in, end game Ronan yeah he those was, comics he was being a bad person Yes. He was killing bad people, but that, but good people don't just go out and do that. So, yeah. Well, and it was very much vigilante style. Exactly. Right. And yeah. Um, 
from I can't think of his name right now, Rorschach from Watchmen is very oh. similar to. He was straight up just vigilantism. Um yeah, he's in good he's in good company. And I was very happy he lived. Um I have to say I'd rather him be on my good side. Right? But like that's the only thing I can think of like for the next book, right? And I do hope there is another book with these characters. Oh, I would but... love to read more about the Volpone. But for the next book, I'm like, oh, that's a... Mm. I just don't want him to kill Colchis because he knows that Colchis was snooping. You know he knows. I did like that he also doesn't seem to really care either. Yeah. Like when he when he approaches him after he saves him from those two Cossacks and he's like, I'm what you're looking for. And of course, Colchis is just like, no, not really. <laughs> he doesn't... There's an interesting, there's an interesting layer to him that he does not care. I mean, he really is sociopathic. Yeah. And at first I was worried that this was going to be like, so in the Gaunt's Ghosts books, there was this character named Lija Koo. And Lija Koo was a sociopath and a murderer. And he kind of, through like three books of people, he kills three major beloved characters and also attempts to kill the saint herself because he's just he's kind of this cheap foil that they just threw in the mix mm. right I was really worried that Fenk was going to become Elijah Koo he was he was not Elijah Koo I was also worried a little bit that he was going to be just that you know very typical you know he's the bad guy right like exactly you know and so I was delighted when he was kind of like, you know, Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire. It's like, in a shower and shave, let's go kill some guys. Uh, that scene when Chalky White's guys and Al Capone guys kill everybody. And they've been like at each other's throats the whole time because they don't like each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the end, they're just like, all right, who wants to go get somebody to eat? <laughs> like, they got it out of their systems. Yeah, Fenk is very much the same way, right? Yeah. He's like, all right, I killed the guy. You're gonna get a drink? Let's get a drink. <laughs> it he's particularly interesting when you um he's very interesting when you compare him to somebody like Regara. And there's a weird loyalty that he seems to have to Regara. It's because Regara is amazing. Well, yes. Um Regara has a very strong sense of right and wrong, and he also has a very He's very smart. Like, he has those strategic smarts. And, he, he, you know, in a, vault, in a Vogue hadn't offed himself, I'm pretty sure Regar would have helped. Dueled him. Yeah. Or just, I did like that that's how he takes care of Grossman. He just goes and he's like, all right, let's duel. Oh, okay. Um, like, oh, just like you killed romance. my uncle? And then later he's just like, yes, like after your uncle killed my father? You know, like, oh, dang, this is just... <laughs> Her name is Inigo Montoya. It's, it's like an onion. <laughs> you, killed, you killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I like it. There's just like little layers of intrigue there. Uh, speaking along the lines kind of of romance and stuff like that. Um, when Barbastian died, that... That hurt. Held me. I thought, like, at the beginning when they introduced Regara and when Regara and Barbastian were talking, I was like, oh... These two are a thing. But then I wasn't, like, sure. Mm. And then, yeah, it's the scene with the music when he's like, no, you need to play more. Oh. And then I knew he was also going to die. I was like, oh, he's setting up a sweet romance. One of these men is getting killed. Well, the whole thing with that, though, when they were like, did he kill himself? And the whole time I kept thinking, it's like, no one would kill themselves by slitting their own throats. The only time that ever happened that was in the movie Devil's Advocate when Charlize Theron did it. And that was horrifying, but nobody would ever, they might stab themselves maybe, but they wouldn't do a clean, you're just not able to it do a clean cut. It wouldn't be peaceful. No. That's, this is going to sound weird because I hate that movie, but that's actually the only scene that I like because it was the only scene where I was like, that actually makes sense. Like it's a it's a violent. It, that's, it was, mm. that's actually what I couldn't. That's why I've actually never watched the movie again. Is because I couldn't take what because that was an incredibly violent scene. Uh, it is, 
And it's also, I mean, if you think about, like, what it would take to do that. Because remember when they find Barbastian, he's basically praying, leaned yes. over, right? Like, even if you stabbed yourself in the neck, that's not going to be a lean over and pray sort of no, thing. No, especially since the knife was just, like, nicely laying on his leg. Like, it would have been dropped, you know, or it still would have been in his neck. Because, again, he wouldn't have been able to do a clean cut if he did it at all. And, um... Uh, is it wrong, though, if because I listened to so many true crime podcasts, namely Dateline, that I heard Keith Morrison's voice at that one? He was just going to pray. Or was he? <laughs> just a normal suicide. Well, like, that's all I, all I could hear. Because when they're like, oh, it's suicide, I was like, Keith Morrison says no. I say no. I didn't believe it. And I was glad that I'm glad that they found proof that it wasn't because if they were trying to say it really was, and that's really what happened. That's what Nick kind of was trying to say. I would have been very disappointed. I'm like, no. Disappointed too, because like you have to think about that for like five minutes to realize that's not possible. Well, I think it's even um, Fink who figures that out. <laughs> Fink's like, no. <laughs> like immediately is like, no. I think Schiller I think Schiller at that point was just like, oh, this is open and closed. Like, I don't have to think about this too much. Uh, sure, killed himself. Sounds great. And especially after the, rev the revelation of the cylinder and what was on the cylinder, I think, I think Schiller pretty much at that point was just like, yeah, let's just go with he killed himself because this is huge. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't have murder and this on my hands. Man, as soon as he's like, I could go tell the commissar, I was immediately like, that's a bad idea. Because, I had well and because the commissar to me was he was being way too helpful with things. And if I have learned anything from watching my husband watch NCIS, the murderer is always the one who is overly helpful with things. Kemper. And then when he uh told uh Schiller, like, tell no one of this, I'm like, hmm. That's pretty much just sealed it right there. I. Spoiler alerts here for a mm. movie that was released like 20 years ago. Closer to 30. Um, it's 20 something. Uh, it reminded me of L.A. Confidential. When he's when Kevin Spacey goes and is talking to James Cromwell and is like, oh, here's what we think happened. He's like, have you told anyone about this? Nope. And then we all know what happens next. Um, anytime a character, like, it, I really wanted to believe in Rincent. I wanted to like him. I wanted to believe him and take him at face value. Somebody's like, tell me you haven't told anyone about this. My first thought is I was like, well, maybe, maybe because he's such a political animal and he understands how delicate morale is and all of this. Maybe he's like, okay, we cannot have this. Like, this will shatter morale. We can't. Mm. And then it was pretty much like, right? Oh, because killing Darian right? wasn't, didn't shatter morale, you moron. Let's talk about Darian, shall we? What a roller coaster ride. Darian deserved off. better. Oh my god. But, in terms of a cautionary tale for how callous and uncaring the war machine oh, gosh, is yes oh my god well as soon as Rin, Rin Saint was popping him up I was like this is not gonna go well mm -mm. you can't be the like that some was, sort yeah. of saint or, or symbol because that just means that the best way to get people motivated to avenge you is to kill you yeah um the scene in which He's like, oh, it's like I'm some invincible hero. And Rincent's like, mm, no, not invincible. And then he gets shot, but it bounces off the shield. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, now you're invincible. I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. This is definitely, as you said, right? Like, the, the Imperium loves heroes. Right. Actually, let me rephrase that. The Imperium likes heroes. They love martyrs. The Imperium loves martyrs. And I so let's talk about his whole character arc because what a roller coaster ride. He starts as a mill serve, a mill serve who's 
pretty much given the, sh- you know, the short end of the stick because he's a mill serve. He poses as a soldier, kills the Chaos Space Marine, <laughs> right? Discovers he's the Lord General's illegitimate child. Right as he's about to be hung. Right. And right oh, no, the firing squad. So the fire, was it the firing squad? It was, was the firing it? squad. Right. Yeah, it was firing squad. Um, yeah, I was like, they weren't, he wasn't going to be hanged. Um, yeah, so right as he's about to go to that, oh, by the way, <laughs> he's the Lord General's son. Then he gets elevated to trooper. Then he gets elevated to this hero. Then he gets made a captain. You know, he's kind of like yeah. an honorary captain, like Captain America. Very much so. And that's actually exactly what it reminded me of. Where, especially when he went on that rant to Rinson, right? And he's like, I'm not even, like, I feel like I'm not doing anything anymore. This all feels so fake. And he's like, no, you're a symbol. Like, this is all important and blah, 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 blah. It felt very much like that one scene in the first uh, mm-hmm. the first Captain America movie. Right. Where he's kind of like, uh, I'm not really doing anything. It's, and it made, he just He wanted better. to get out there and fight and they wanted him to hang out with the USO girls. Basically, I mean, yeah. he's hanging out with the commissar so that he can be a symbol. And he was a, which to me was, I thought it was always a waste. I was like, this kid, he's fallen lucky couple of times but i think it's because he was kept his head together the entire time and he took opportunities as he saw fit not every soldier can see opportunities and just jumps into them commissar kane does but that's because he's always looking out for his own neck uh, right. and so instead they prop him up to be this you know credible thing up on this pedestal well it's so easy how those pedestals break right yeah, especially when you have. Anyways, we'll get there in a second. Was he like? Were you in? Like, were you invested yeah, in his? I arc? was. Was it compelling? I, I was invested. Was too... Um, I would. I did kind of hope that you know. Uh, eventually, like he'd run off. Like he'd not run off, but he'd like marry Lena, and then for therefore elevate her, her station. You know. All that I was kind of hoping for that, and because I didn't believe that Lena was an assassin, so I was really glad. I'm not gonna lie, for like two seconds there, I kind of hoped she was. I was <laughs> like, "What if she's been? What if she has been a um, Calidus the entire time?" Oh, I was so thankful when Fink found her body. Yeah, I was too. Like I. I I kind of wanted her to be that, but then I was also like, eh, I don't want the Inquisition to be involved in this. So when it was revealed to be one of the Tempestus Scions, I was like, oh, okay. Phew. Okay, cool. At least we're not going like that far into mm-hmm. the weeds, right? Um, there's a few questions to be asked there, but um, the whole thing was... Yeah, I I really was rooting for them, too. Or I thought maybe he was just going to have to come to terms with the fact that, okay, we're in different worlds now. This isn't going to work. And I'm I'm a hero. I just didn't think they were going to kill him off. I, when he felt the heat, no, when he said he felt the heat go through his, his chest, I was like, that's not possible. And then it was. And he said he immediately got cold and dark. I was like, oh my god. And I was like, no, no, no. Someone's going to find him and they'll get to him in time. And nope. Not even a little bit. So did you understand Grussman's and Rinson's motivations? Like, did you like them? Did you like them as shadowy figures doing that? Well, let's start with Grussman. Grussman didn't know what he was doing. Grossman was just kind of He was the very typical, you know, I have a rock. I'm going to, like, beat the rock with a hammer until I get results. Right. Just He was just blunt force trauma. Um, which very is, much which so. Which is why I liked how Regar, like, he's like, there's no way Grossman was behind this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally was. Like, no, 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 no. This man is not smart enough. No. No. I mean, and you could hear in that cylinder when he's like, we got to kill him. 
Why? Because he's an upstart. He just used to be a millserve. Like, there's no, right. there's no like grandstanding, exactly grand that. plan. It's literally just I don't like him because he was like beneath us, and I don't care who his dad is. And his dad's dying and didn't really know him. So, like, it was not a clever plot. It was just petulance, really. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, to your point, the man with a hammer, but unfortunately not really smart enough to wield the hammer. Having said that, did a whole lot of damage. Hey, God's word. Did you see that coming, by the way? No. I did not either. I, because when they first captured God's word, I was like, okay, it's going to be booby trapped. Like they just basically let you take this. But they fight like nothing happened. Right? It's like, oh, okay, well, no, it's fine. It's fine. Mm. Mm-mm. Did not see that coming. No, I was I disappointed in myself. I didn't even think it was booby trapped. I just was like, oh, okay. He did a really good job. Nick Kime did a really good job. And then Grossman was just like, well, that sucks. Okay, moving on. It's like, uh, okay. Cool. No, no, we can't just move on. And I did like how they're basically having to explain to him like a child. Like, morale is shot. We cannot go and take siege right now. Well, why not? It reminded me of that scene in Zoolander when he explains the whole thing and Zoolander's like, but why male models? Are you kidding? I just explained the whole thing to you. What? But he's just like, who like cares? A, We're just going to go forward with it. That was just kind of like my favorite running gag. Because even like an hour later, but why male models? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. it just, it's one of those things where I'm like, are you this dumb? Oh, no, he's that dumb. Yeah. yeah. So what about Rincent or Rincent? I really don't know what his end goal was. Like, I can't figure it out. Because obviously... Obviously, it wasn't this master plan he had from the beginning, right? Because right. they didn't know who this, who this, they didn't, no one could have predicted what this kid was, was going to do. Right. I mean, I understand why he had to kill everybody, because mm-hmm. the only way you can keep a secret is if everybody else but you is dead. Um, but I guess, True. I guess I didn't really fully understand what his, like, I, I know that it was, he was loyal. He did it all for... He had noble reasons, but, you know, it's one of those things where the means do not justify the end type thing. Mm-mm. I still don't know exactly why he felt like that was the way he he should go or the way he had to go. Part of me, based on his conversation with Vasquez, I thought was... Maybe... By the way... Telltale Games has a Tales from the Borderlands, which is amazingly fun. Um, But Patrick Warburton plays this very repugnant character named Vasquez. So the whole time I'm reading this book, every time he calls him Vasquez, I suddenly hear Regara talking in Patrick Warburton's voice. As an aside, just so everybody knows that one. No, wait. Um, Patrick Warburton would have been Grossman. Let's be clear. depends if they wanted him to be schmarmy or likable schmarmy he does do schmarmy so well schmarmy and affable it's like the only two poles he's got um but when he's talking with him and he's basically you get the sense that he's like i just don't like the blue bloods he's like you guys are arrogant you're violent and you don't even realize it your culture sucks you're just kind of dicks like he seemed to just have this like look i had a plan and i got to kill some of you guys so yay for me like i'm with you that i'm like i don't still really fully understand why he was doing what he was doing other than because he wanted to control this narrative Mm -hmm. right and he wanted to have these brilliant heroes that went up and like with darian right like look we've created a martyr for the volpone blue bloods a commoner who fight like he was his was a really awful Cinderella story. The commoner who gets elevated to like basically royalty and then killed. 
in some ways he kind of created a cautionary tale for the bullpones to tell the other mill serves. But anyways, that aside, um, I guess I, I liked it. I thought he was a good reveal because he's also just kind of unapologetic, right? He's just like, yeah, look. yeah. like while I didn't trust him, I still didn't fully see it coming at the same time. If that makes any sense. It's like, really? no, it totally does. It's like, really? Like you really were like disappointed in you, man. You made me trust you. I liked you. We were all rooting for you. Um, I mean, I thought it was really weird I, what you were doing with Darian and all, but I didn't think you were that bad. I guess, yeah, it comes down to I didn't think you were a bad guy. I recognized that you were political. Mm-hmm. I recognized that maybe not fully on the level. Uh, yeah, definitely... maybe you shouldn't have used brass knuckles to beat the shit out of the, uh, the former... Uh, military guy who got you know by the cultists you know or time they took the bag off his yes, head yes, he started yes. freaking out maybe you shouldn't have been beating him with the brass knuckles just just, just a, a thought right um a lot going on there with him i was it, i didn't i didn't mind him like he's a commissar mm-hmm. and but i did feel at the end i was like oh and he would have gotten away with it too <laughs> if it hadn't been for a meddling dose think loved him so a quick meta observation about this i book. know why you like fink hmm. he's a lot like uh conrad kurz i do tend to like my murderous characters and i don't the know the only why. reason why that popped in my head was because when you said that you know he is killed by fink he's like where are you going Made me immediately think of Comrade Kerr's grabbing a hold of Korax's cape. It's like, where are you flying off to, little bird? Yeah. I don't know what that says about me personally. That I do tend to, like, in the Night Lord series, I love Zarl. He's my favorite character. Uh, he's a sociopath. Like, he's he's a very murderous, vengeful kind of guy, right? Um. Actually, it's that coolness to him. I loved Arian Zorzi from the war- from the uh, Fabulous Bill series, right? Where he's mm. a killer, right? I like those killer characters. Um, Larkin, Matt Lane Larkin from The Gaunt's Ghost. I don't know what that says about me personally. Um, I think it's funny because everybody knows me, who knows me knows that I'm just like really, really nice. So the the sociopathic characters. I don't know. For You're those, right, though. For those who are just listening, I was shaking my head. She's not really that nice. It's a front. Ah! It's all a front. Yeah, see, now that's a front, too. <laughs> I'm heartbroken and very upset right now. Whatever. Um, so, meta question for you, though. Mm-hmm. We know that the Sabbath World Crusade is over, right? Within the Gaunt's Ghost's world, it's basically done and Tuarsec has been killed their um the archon has been killed um the sabbat worlds are basically done are you like this this move to going back to this period now it is so chaotic and there's so many worlds like this is very interesting because they could have this entire story about these battles and these planets that have nothing to do with the gaunt's ghost interesting do you find it compelling? Like, are you interested in knowing more about the Sabbath World's Crusade? Nope. Well, I mean, maybe I'll give, you know, uh, the Serpent and the Saint maybe another another chance. But as as far mm-hmm. as as far as going to um, Gaunt's Ghosts, no. I'm not investing Fair. in another 15 book, 15 series. book series as you even said it's like what well, does it really even get that good till the third or fourth book yeah no th- i you know what i've tried a series like that it was called the wheel of time and it never got any better you can at me all you want no i actually liked that first book and then everything after that just um with gaunt's ghost the first three books are not good you can at me on that one um the fourth book is good then they do get really good up until the last three books and then i've got no use for it but that middle run is great um wow my favorite book is actually propping up my mic 
Um, but it, yes, that that's fair. But I mean, like, if they continue to go into the Sabbat worlds, are you interested in yeah, that? Why not? As long as it's not a fifteen book series, I guess. You're not down for fourteen more. Well, I mean, I guess since we started from the first one, you know, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. It's different than trying to plow through 15 books that have already been written. That's fair. Uh, but I don't I don't know. I think that sometimes I feel like authors, like I think it might have been the case with the Gaunt's Ghost books, they let the story get away from them when it should have ended Ooh. several books earlier. Yes, the Gaunt's Ghost books, because there's so many worlds in the Sabbath Worlds Crusade, he was able to basically be like, ooh, I want to write a ghost story. Ooh, I want to write a, like a heist book. Oh, I want to write something with planes. Like he was able to do all these different things within the books, but those last three books really needed to not happen. And yes, you can at me on that. Don't even talk to me about the grief, great grief engines. God, I don't even remember what they called the stupid kids. I can't right now literally can't but i will say like when they were talking about the grotesques and they were using the um they were using the terminology for like the demigars and stuff like mm -hmm. that I, I was like putting on an old pair of shoes i was yeah, like see, this is so i i was so lost with all of that like but did you feel like you were like oh crap this book's not for me no, because the story That's was good. the story was too interesting. But like with the whole with the Demigar, I was like, that feels like it's a word I'm supposed to know. So like I was actually looking it up in the dictionary, which big shock, it's not in there. It's a made up word. But I was like, I don't even know. Like I feel like I'm missing something. At least now I understand that stuff was all in the um, in the Gaunt's Ghosts books. But no, this... If you look it up online, the first response, the first result is blood-packed blood ranks. Oh, uh, see, I, I didn't do that. I went to, I went to an online dictionary. No, that's totally fair. I just, that's really fun. Because I suddenly was like, oh, could you even look that word up? You can. That's really funny. And the Sirdar. Yeah, see, that, that was another one. I was like, I don't know. Okay, I feel stupid. I feel like I'm missing something. A Sirdar something. is like a sergeant and the demigar is like a captain basically the blood pact is i just unique. ended up they're just very bad people with extra powers that do very bad things basically. it's kind of what it came down to in a weird way yeah basically but they were kind of jerks again it didn't take away anything because the story by itself was too good it was really fun like I, and it was one of those books that, so we started reading it and then I, we, we traveled for hockey for that weekend. And usually I don't get a lot of reading done, but one day I was up in the room and I started and then I hit a point where I just couldn't stop. I got, I got that and just point. just on through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only reason why I stopped reading was because I was nodding off, but then the next day I just sat and, and finished it in like one sitting, but but yeah, it was really, really good. I mean, it, the weird thing is, like, I want to say it, it's slow because it took me a while, took a while to grab me. It was never slow. It just took a bit for the hook to to get in. He had me. a lot of setup to do because, like, yeah, he had to he had to introduce you to all of the characters. You had to understand who Aramis was, who Kulsus was, who Regara was, who their complex web of friends and allies and why you should care about this and why mm -hmm. you should care about that and then I felt like around like 200 250 that's where all of a sudden it was I can't put it down but it was about page same. 100 I want to say that things started picking or maybe 150 that that's when things started picking up and then it was like 200 225 I was like oh <laughs> I, I I'm here I'm here for the night Exactly. He got all of the setup done and then he was kind of like, okay, now I can kind of start showing you some more stuff. And then it just mm -hmm. away we went. And it was so very good. So very good. And so very fun. Um, this is one of those ones that I actually took a lot of notes on and I made like, I made a lot of notes and a lot of reminders to myself because it's February. Um, 
I was like, I can't forget this book at the end of the year when we do our awards yeah. because there's just so much in here that I really, really enjoyed. I even enjoyed Nick Kimes' nod to Dan Abnett. And then there is like, you know, everyone wants to be able to say that I was there. Like, yeah, we know. Everyone wants to say that, that they were there. We get it. I begrudgingly, because I think, and I, I'm trying not to be like a Dan Abnett hater, but I really kind of bristled. I, I'm going back to that intro. When I saw he wrote the intro, I was like, oh, this is going to be trite. And then I read it and I was like, oh, man. Oh, man, because I really liked some of his self-reflection on how he had treated the Volpone yeah. and how he wrote them. I mean, he even says he's like, I basically made two dimensional villains. Mm -hmm. And I liked the idea that Nick Kime was like, yeah, but then if they're traitorous jerks, how the hell do they have a regiment? Right. Oh, well, that, that's a valid question. So I liked the idea that he was like, I'm going I'm to go with this. I have a small soft spot for any reference to I was there because I just think that's a really cool knockback to, I think, Dan Abnett's the best book he ever wrote. I want to argue with that because it's the Horus heresy, but I really can't. I There's one book in the Gaunt's Ghost series that I feel like is better written. But it's hard to say that because it's like, okay, so <laughs> once again, it's this book. Um, but you have to read so much to get there. Mm -hmm. You, I mean, and, and you have to be familiar with the 40K universe. So I guess technically you have to read a lot to get to the Horus Heresy book. But yeah. And that that intro is a masterstroke. Right. And I do, I did like, I noticed that as well. And I did like that. It was a nice nod. It was a nice nod, but it was also kind of a calm the hell down, guys. <laughs> right. To that whole concept. Right. Um, interestingly enough, though, so this, in theory, is kind of an indirect sequel to a book that was published a really long time ago. Um, so our next book is a sequel to oh. a book we read like three months ago. I think less than that, but... And it's got chartreuse. I like how it's like identical to the other book. Which is very fitting for the Necrons. Oh, yeah. Um, you guys, I have to say, I'm fine with it because I like this textured bit here. Oh, I, yeah, I love the texture. I mean, I'm not complaining. It's just funny to me. That it's no, no, it's very funny. funny. I just... I... God, I like it. I almost feel like somebody was like, man, that first book was nice. Just make the same thing. Uh, but now if they do it, I know they're doing a third book. Uh, they also need to make it a special edition. Oh, they are doing a third book? Like, didn't he confirm it was a trilogy? I have no idea. I mm, Somebody keep me honest there. Guy Watcher Adept. I'm pretty sure they announced that it was going to be a trilogy. Um, but I need to have three of these. Aw, oh, man. Hmm. I didn't like the first one. I was like, oh, there's two. I'll be fine. Three. It's like the Matrix. If the third book comes out this year, we will be waiting on that one until next. Because I do not want to get into another Fabulous Bill situation. Well, the problem with Fabulous Bill is that we read the first two back to back. And then. Yes. And then the third one, like. Like a month later. Mm -hmm. It was too much. Well, that and neither one of us like Fabulous Bill. So it was, it was a lot. And the third book had clearly had problems. 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 <laughs> Let's go with that. Um, whereas, hopefully not this one. But I'm kind of, I really enjoyed that first one. But I'll be curious about this one. Let's put it that way. So, but those green pages, though. I'm a sucker for the colored pages, y'all. We know. It's okay. I know. I know. Because it's chartreuse. You want to take us out, Carrie? I will before you start getting like all sentimental over the color chartreuse. You have listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding Volpone Glory by Nick Kine. Be sure to join us next time for Twice Dead King Rain by 
Nate Crowley. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from a crag. Remember, I'm still all furious, even though I don't have my mug here, but I promise I'm still all furious. And you should definitely get you some chartreuse. At this rate, I'm going to have like a bushel of chartreuse. It's going to have like a glowing shelf. I'm going to get those LED lights. <laughs> nice. Chartreuse. That would be kind of cool. Oh, that's the Necron shelf. <laughs> <laughs> totally makes sense. Totally. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.